Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to episode 97 of the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from OSCON here in Portland, Oregon, and today we have uh, Cloudcast alumni on the show. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk a little bit about uh, application containers, and so returning to the show, we have uh, Solomon Hikes. Is that how you say your last name? exactly how it is. All right. CTO at .cloud, and also joining is... Veteran to the position of what four days now? Four days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm twenty five percent smarter today than I was yesterday. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, ben Gollum, who is a newly minted CEO at Dot Cloud. Um, so Solomon, you and I, uh, gosh, what was it? Episode I want to say sixty six. It was at the AWS conference last year. We sat down and talked about Dot Cloud as uh, platform as a service offering. Um, but you've had a bunch of stuff going on since then. So, yep. so first of all, hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. But tell us a little bit about what you've been what you've been doing. Sure. Well, uh, so something very significant happened um, for for us at Dot Cloud. Um, at some point uh, late last year, we decided to open source our core technology uh, first as an experiment, and when we finally proceeded and, and opened up the code, um, it was so successful so quickly that um, it forced us to kind of reevaluate our priorities as a company because um, this new project, Docker, um, you know, grew a community that was so active so quickly that there was no way we could support it properly as as only an experiment, right? And so that is the big thing that happened to us since last time. We essentially became um, the company that supports Docker which, you know, four months after being released uh, has received contributions from 100 different people, uh, you know, has uh, thousands of GitHub stars and, you know, tens of thousands of downloads, et cetera. And so, yeah, that's, it's a big change for us. It's really exciting, uh, you know, becoming a full open, open source, open design company. And it really opens up the scope of what we can do and, you know, who, who we can help out there. Sure, sure. And so to give everyone kind of a background, um, Cloud started out as a, I can say started out now, right? Yeah. <laughs> started out as as basically a PaaS company, um, but with Docker. So do you call it Docker or Docker IO? First of all, Docker. Okay, so Docker is really around this concept of application containers, um, and I completely agree because uh, it's certainly something you're seeing from pretty much all of the vendors. Um, that are out there of this is kind of the next big thing. And, and so I attended your session. Um, I was like, well, you know, I need to go catch up and probably need to prep a little bit. So I, I attended your session. And first of all, you were, you know, when I say the room is packed, well, everyone, is it a little room or is it a big room? Big room right? <laughs> you were in one of the big rooms and it was packed. And, um, and you were kind of a rock star afterwards too, because you like were like, guys, I got to leave the room. <laughs> you know? like, they're kicking us out, right? So there was definitely a lot of, of interest in there, um, and you have cool stickers too. So, but it wasn't just the cool stickers. And actually, I got one. Yeah, I put it on. Uh, so, <laughs> but um, give everyone kind of a quick summary of Docker as a product and the concepts that you introduced in the session. Sure. So. Um... The short version is that you know, Docker is what we call a container engine. 
uh, and its job is to make it easier to ship code to the server. Right? And the, the premise is that that should be easy, but it's hard. Uh, it's not reliable. It's, it's brittle. It's labor-intensive. And the main reason behind that is that um, increasingly as a developer, you have to maintain a software stack that is um, large, complex, loosely coupled. It's, uh, it's not, typically not based on a single language or framework or library anymore. It's kind of all over the place. Uh, but you still have to manage it as a whole. And at the same time, that stack needs to be deployed and shipped to an increasingly um, diverse and large collection of infrastructure components. Right? So it, it's supposed to work on your laptop. It's supposed to work on the QA server under the desk. You know, it's supposed to work on OpenStack, on EC2. Um, it's supposed to work on that on an, an appliance that you ship to the customer. So you have this matrix of hell right? <laughs> yes. where every row is a software component and every column is an infrastructure component and you have this horrible multiplication of problems and it's your job as as a software developer, as an ops guy, as a DevOps guy to uh, make sure that every intersection of that matrix somehow works mm-hmm. and that's very hard yeah. and I think today we're, we, we have a large collection of tools that make it easier to cope with the matrix so I think of them as painkillers, you know, you need them but at some point, you got to start thinking about, you know, making the problem actually go away, and that's what we're trying to do with Docker. Um, and the, you know, the, an- the analogy, the analogy we use um, is the, that of shipping containers. Mm-hmm. Right? The shipping industry had the same problem; uh, they had lots of stuff to ship right. on all sorts of infrastructure, same matrix. So the big boats, the big trucks, yeah, the big everything with the big shipping containers. You take a crane and you just kind of go chunk, yeah, exactly, move yeah. it over there. Right? And so you got the key concept that we're pushing is separation of concerns. Mm-hmm. Separation of concerns is really the, the number one thing because the developers have their concerns. They have, they wonder about you know what's the best language, library, build tool, test tool, and um, infrastructure people have their concerns. You know. Uh, what's the best storage, what's the best scale-out mechanism, what's the best automation, monitoring. Uh, and it's hard enough to figure these things out. If they're coupled, then it becomes really hard. So really, um, Docker delivers se- that separation of concern through this standard format mm-hmm. um, that both sides can agree on. So develop- developers, regardless of what they use, end up packing up a container. And then infrastructure people, regardless of how they do it, end up shipping and moving and, you know, deploying containers. Sure, sure. And how is so, the, probably the number one, actually, two number one questions. Is that possible? <laughs> um, one number one question that came to mind was, okay, so how is that different from just virtual machines and, and cloning of virtual machines? Yeah. Um, you know, create an image, create yeah. a template. Yeah. So I think the, 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 the short answer is, you know, virtual machines are part of the infrastructure. And they are you know, very useful as an element of infrastructure. I don't think we're ever going coming back from VMs. Uh, but as a unit of software delivery, they're not practical. Developers typically don't use them if they can avoid it because I can't ship you a VM and trust that it'll, you'll be able to run it the way I want it everywhere. Right? Mm-hmm. You may use a, a different VM-based system. Right? If I ship you a VMware image, um, it's not gonna work out of the box everywhere. You may not be using VMs at all, right? There's a lot of bare metal deployments out there. We also have, we see a lot of situations where um, an organization has a really sophisticated, you know, automated VM deployment system, but the development team doesn't have access to it. They can't just spin up VMs. Mm -hmm. So they're stuck uh, without the ability to deliver things. 
So I'd say, you know, the short answer is VMs are heavyweight, they're better for infrastructure, and containers are better for uh, software delivery, but they can work together. Sure. And I, I liked an analogy used in the session of, you know, it's once upon a time virtual machines were a hammer and everything yeah. was a nail, right? <laughs> and I, and I, do, I do believe in that more and more, um, and that kind of goes into the container discussion for a little while of, you know, the... Again, you're abstracting every layer of the hardware. And actually, I was in uh, Simon Wardley's talk yesterday, and and you know Simon tends to be such a just this huge big picture thinking. But one of the things that was really cool about what he was saying is is you take a technology and it kind of moves to commodity over time, but then that always spawns something new, and then that kind of moves. And so we've almost reached that point where, and I think we have, where that virtual machine is a commodity more and more. And but at the same time, it spawns new needs and. You know, how do you move up the stack even further, right, and make the next yep. thing a commodity, right? And I think that applica- application containerization is certainly probably that next area of, of major development in the industry. And so something I, you know, in my day job I get a lot, and, and you're seeing a lot more of, um, is the concept of, of LXC or Linux containers. And so is .cloud, or excuse me, is Docker... LXC under the covers, and tell me a little bit about the underlying technology and how it all happens. Yeah. So yes, uh, Docker uh, builds on top of LXC. Okay. And LXC has been used to mean different things, uh, but fundamentally, it's a set of features that have been added over time to the Linux kernel, okay. and make it possible to run processes uh, on a Linux system in a in a highly sandboxed and isolated way, and. These capabilities have been around for a long time. Uh, in other systems, you know, Celeris has had it for a while. There had, BSD jails existed for a while. Uh, Linux for, for a while had uh, weaker capabilities. You know, you could see root, things like that. But um, over the last couple years, these uh, features have really been uh, improved. And more importantly, they've been improved in the main, mainline kernel. So for a long time, if you, wanted, you, if you wanted strong isolation of processes in Linux, you could do it. At DocLab, for example, we've been doing it for nearly five years, mm-hmm. but you had to patch the kernel, which means that you could not, you know, you could, um, kind of like VMs, mm-hmm. it required control over the infrastructure. Right. You couldn't assume everyone could run your container. Yep. What's changed is that now that Linux has containers out of the box, you have this critical mass of, of machines around the world that can run containers, whether they know it or not. Yes. You know, whether their owners know it or not, they can actually run containers. And patching the kernel is often a showstopper for a lot of orgs, right? Now, uh, and kind of dig even a little deeper, so for those that are unfamiliar with with the concept as well, so LXC is often grouped with C groups. Yeah. So, So... yeah, so there's what's, a little bit you know, of a, what's the difference between C groups, right? So actually, the, the, um, the again, the definitions have moved around. As, you know, <laughs> what is as, today's definition? Yeah. Of, right, so I, I think it's fair to say that, you know, from the point of view of the work we're doing, which is, okay, there's raw capabilities in the kernel. Now let's let's make use of them. In a, you know, let's make them useful to uh, the, the, the engineering population. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that there's a lot of work there. What's the right API to expose? Um, there's a lot of ways to use LXC, which we don't think are the right way. Right? Okay. And so to answer your question, um, LXC is a sort of an umbrella term for actually a group of features, one of which is C groups, okay. and another another one is uh, namespaces. Okay. And so I've been told the, diff- the respective 
uh, definitions and the relationship between the two has moved over time. But really, you know, we just abstracted away to LXC, mm -hmm. and then um, you know we dig in deeper when we need to. But you know, C groups has to do with resource accounting and limitation. You know, this much RAM for this process, this much this much I/O for that one. That's C groups. And namespaces is um, not the process is not seeing each other. Right? Okay. Awesome. Now, so that kind of gets us at that. You know, if I use kind of even like the Amazon terms, that gets us compute. Um, <laughs> but what what about from a file system level? The the file stuff you're doing is actually really cool. Um, you're almost layering on a filing system. And if I understand correctly, it's copy on write yep. technology. So it's even kind of a minimal footprint. Yep. Um, and then, again, using that shipping container stack analogy, it is possible to stack containers on containers, correct? Yeah, so the... Um That, that's correct. So that's another... So that's like 10 questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let me sort them. Uh, you know, the, the, we use a copy and write file system. Um, the current implementation we use is AUFS. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, the, there's been discussion about you know, enabling other file systems, which we're, we're working on. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the, the key feature is copy and write. And what that allows us to do is give you a, a fresh copy a completely isolated copy of the file system every time you want to run something. Right? So that, you, that means you can run 10, you know, 10 instances of the same application process, and all 10 of them will have their own sandboxed file system. They'll have the same base. Yet um, these 10 containers, these 10 processes, uh, will have been started in a total of 200 milliseconds, right? including copy. Okay. Uh, and that's because under the hood, we don't actually copy the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, we we do a copy and write, a lazy copy, mm -hmm. using the, this file system. Sure. And and for listeners out there that aren't familiar with with copy on it, yeah, it's basically you know when you need to create a new bit, that's when you're yeah. writing it. You're not making a full clone up yeah. front, so you don't have overhead of disk space. Yep. Um, so the system tells you copy complete, but really, it it just created a new reference. And as you start changing files, then it copies gradually over time. Sure. And, and so as long as they don't change very much, the difference between one container and a thousand containers to start is effectively nothing. Yeah. Right? Because it's just a matter of, okay, if those thousand containers change drastically over time, then yeah, you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. But you have, you know, the, you have... Uh, at the worst case is you have this you're back to the same problem you had with VMs cop or copying you know the full thing every time sure and in practice uh, very little actually changes okay. and what does change you have control over so one feature that we we added to docker is that at any time you can you can track which container was copied to another to which container so you kind of track the history uh, and so there is the concept of Even though there are containers and let's say they're, you know, quote unquote stacked on top of yep. each other, there is still almost tracking. Yeah. So it's know, just like if something was in container one and goes to container two or gets copied or modified or whatever. Yep. You have an auditing or tracking system. You have that a full auditing system and it's a very important part of Docker. You, you basically have the equivalent of Git for containers. So you can, at any given time, you can point to anything running on any server and say, where did that come from? Oh, it, it's, it was built from this previous common image last week and you can layer that as many times as you want so you can say oh this is less this is yesterday's build of the app running on top of last week's puppet 
build mm-hmm. uh, running on you know built on top of last month's Ubuntu base system for sure. example sure and you can always track that and you can audit the actual differences so you can always say what's changed between this container and that container okay now so whenever I think about things like that the one thing that automatically pops into my head though is chaining dependencies mm-hmm. and so can that become an issue over time of this changes in this container and this affects this container and the, that whole downstream workflow, right? Yeah. And is is that something? How does something like that work? If if you if you get really brave and just you know start stacking, yeah, so the, <laughs> everywhere, right? The the key concept that makes it work is that um, containers can be frozen into images, and once they're frozen, uh, you know it, they need to be frozen in order to be used as the parents of, an, of the next. Container, so it's right? effectively so, a template, and then they they become immutable. Yes, and they get you know a, a big, long, unique ID, just like a Git commit. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, you have a you have a guarantee that that's never going to change. So you can go back and say, this container is running that, it's, and that you know whatever auditing you you did yesterday is mm-hmm. is still valid. There's gotcha. no in change. So you could say it's almost like a snapshot point. Yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. And and oh, okay, very cool. Now. So we've covered a bunch of technology and what it is and, and what's going on. So what are the, you know, again, if you go look at the, the project, it's, it's pretty explosive growth. So what are the use cases typically? What kind of, you know, from a user standpoint or a developer standpoint, why, why should yeah. you care, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the, um, it really, it, it boils down to that matrix we were talking about um, Developers today, you know, uh, needs um, a process for for developing, testing, building, and handing to ops uh, that is more automated, more reliable, and more lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the the dream, everyone's kind of aiming for that dream setup where you've got a you know you got your a VM in your laptop, you know, or maybe you got a Linux laptop, so you don't need a VM. And you just develop, test, develop, test. At some point, you like it, you just ship it, and it goes through automated testing, and it goes through staging, and eventually goes all the way to production, and it's exactly the way you built it. You know, and as opposed to, oh, let me change everything halfway through because this doesn't, this doesn't, you know, it's not the same version of libraries in the production servers. Oh, you've tested on Ubuntu, but we're we're in Red Hat in production. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Not the right version of Python. Right. Uh, so just that that um, that ability to have a single um, like pro- a single pipeline. Yes. Right? And and because you're at the end of the day, you're really just how do I put this? You're you're locking things or tracking things all at the file level as opposed to at an application level. Mm-hmm. You almost have the ability to create libraries or chunks yeah. and make it components that you kind of chain together at the, instead of like okay here's my entire stack and it is one big container you have the ability to say okay here's my container for this function my yeah. container for this function and then it gives you the modularity if you want to change something or you pull out yep. one container replace it with another container as opposed to replacing the entire thing yeah. so it gives you some modularity that, on top of it that's so. correct that's also very a very big uh, draw it makes your your code base. It makes it more practical to reuse components, mm-hmm. your own components across projects, but also someone else's components. Mm-hmm. And so, 
one one thing that ships with Docker is a is a notion of a registry. There's a public registry of of containers, um, which you can download. And actually, to get started with Docker, the, the simplest way is to just download a starter image. You know, either an Ubuntu system or a Red Hat system, etc., and then build on top of that. Or you can create your own. You mm -hmm. don't have to. Sure. But then the really cool thing is any container you build can be uploaded back at any time to the registry for others to, to use. So if you search for Postgres or MongoDB or Rails or anything, you're going to find dozens of those um, components. Sure. And, you know, we're, we're setting things in place to, for, you know, tracking, you know, quality, you know, even things like reviews. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, you have to have a way to trust the source, you know, who's giving you that. Right. But it's a really powerful mechanism because then you can just swap out your Osgres mm -hmm. component and swap, you know, replace it with someone else's mm -hmm. uh, and it'll work. So <clears throat> you bring up an interesting point there um, and that kind of to shift focus here slightly. Um, very different kind of direction of the company at that point for yeah. for you as well because... You know, when I had spoken to you, Dot Cloud was was really more PaaS based and more hosting. And but this seems more of you know, I can run Docker pretty much anywhere. It doesn't have to be necessarily. So you've almost gone from that service provider into a product as a as a shift as a company, right? And so, tell me a little bit about what that is like, because I'm I'm sure that's not something that's super easy or. You know, yeah. I guess if enough of the demand there, yeah. you just kind of go run in this direction, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's not something that happens every day by any means, right? Yeah, well, I think it's an exciting shift. Um, and part of the reason why I was attracted to come over to uh, to Doc Cloud after having been CEO of uh, Gluster. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a PaaS is a great, great business, but at some point, you know, the problem with PaaS as a business is that your best customers leave you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can offer, as Doc Cloud did, you know, a large set of different languages to customers and make, say that those will run well on our infrastructure. But ultimately, everybody wants more languages yeah. than any one company could possibly provide, and they want to run it in more places than just your own infrastructure. As Solomon said, it's on, an, on a laptop, on a VM, yeah. on the customer's infrastructure, uh, uh, EC2, whatever the case may be. Um, and so I don't think you could have any one company provide that kind of infinite language, infinite uh, platform, infinite enterprise, infinite cloud uh, paths. But an ecosystem could, and that's why I think Docker as an open source project is so powerful. Yes. Um, so then the natural question is, okay, so you do this, you enable the ecosystem. How do you how do you make money? Right. Um, and which was uh, going to be my next question. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it comes up. It comes up a lot. Um, but I think I think this is also where the shipping container analogy works really well. Mm -hmm. um, in essence, we're giving people the ability to easily create, pack, uh, and ship containers. Um, but that naturally says, well, how do you track the containers? How do you make sure they're going to the right places? How do you uh, monitor them? How do you give people the ability to uh, you know, either discover and, and, and use or sell if they want to? And so for us, uh, one of our next major goals after we get the, the sort of product stable and, and widely used is to launch, uh, uh, if you will, sort of the, the GitHub uh, to equivalent uh, for Docker. Okay. Um, where people can uh, have a private registry, a public registry, buy and sell uh, containers, um, and provide things like monitoring, orchestration, et cetera. Very cool. Very cool. And 
<clears throat> yeah, so it, it, it's interesting yeah. um, because, again, like, like uh, oh, gosh, uh, who was it that I spoke to earlier? Oh, Ansible. Mm-hmm. I spoke to Ansible Works earlier this week, and they kind of did the same thing of, of they started as a, hey, we're going to go do this because I just kind of want to do this and I see mm-hmm. a need around it, right? And then they're like, ah, oh, we'll throw it out there and see what happens. And all of a sudden, boom. <laughs> You've got a, suddenly it went from a you know a weekend kind of yeah. fun thing to now I've got a project on my hands that all these people are interested in yeah. and then it's like oh no well we might have something here right and then yeah. turning that into you know a new direction for a company is is certainly something that's very fascinating yep. so I, I would add that the the reason one of the factors that made Docker successful is that um, we made it based on our experience as a managed, uh, you know, public passive. Uh, so it was built by a team of engineers who have to wake up at four in the morning to fix stuff. <laughs> and, you know, right. they, they, they like cool drawings on the whiteboard like everyone else, but at the end of the day, we want it to work. You know, we want it to work in real-world situations. And so with Docker, really what we've, what we've built is what we wish we had on day one of .cloud, right? So there is that, um, you know, synergy between actually running, thing, you know, running your own servers and being responsible for uptime, and then shipping code, I think it's really hard to do one well without the other. Sure. Yeah. Well, one of the things that really excites me about the project um, is not only that it appeals to developers, but actually appeals to folks uh, in DevOps and Ops as well. And yeah. I think, uh, as Solomon says, the fact that it was built by a bunch of people who had to be both right. speaks to that. So, you know, at this point, the developers are excited because they can. You know, build something once and finally run it anywhere. Right. Uh, and the ops are equally excited because they say, well, we can configure once and then we can run anything. Um, yeah. and, that, and that's really the power of, of, of the model. Very cool. Very cool. Um, <clears throat> so we are out of time for this week. Um, so Solomon, Ben, where can everyone find out more about the project, the product, you, what's going on? So the, the the project has a website. It's on uh, Docker.io, and you know it lists all the all the resources you could you could expect. Uh, there's a GitHub repository. We are very very uh, in, encouraging of contributions, feedback. Uh, that was kind of our golden rule that you know every contribution, no matter how small, is welcome. You know typos on the README, we'll thank you warmly. <laughs> uh, you know tr- just trying it out and reporting bugs or asking for improvements that is very valuable. Um, I've always I've I've been scarred by a, you know scarred for life by unwelcoming open source communities. So that's our number one thing. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Also say that uh, we have a ton of meetups that are scheduled. Yeah. Okay. Um, in San Francisco, in Boston, in Austin, New York. Uh, those are all also listed on the site. Great. Um, and half of them are organized by people who don't work for DocCloud, which is also very exciting. So. Very nice. Good. Good. That's a great sign of the community. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All right. If you like the show, please tell a friend or leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at thecloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening. 